1: All right, Crossway, thank you so much for joining us today. I am Chris Birch. And I'm Anson Tebow. And today we have a tough question to answer, all right? And we are going to look at why does the Lord harden Pharaoh's heart? So over the last week, we have been looking at Moses, and Moses encounters Pharaoh. And Moses goes and asks and says, let my people go. And we are told in the Bible... That God hardens Pharaoh's heart, so Pharaoh says mm-hmm. no. So Anson, what do you have for us? Yeah,
0: man, this is a really, really challenging, challenging question um, because of the implications that it seems to bring up. Yes, um, about God and God's character and and who God is, um, and it's really, really fascinating because it 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 has so many different moving moving parts to it, um, like. If we, if we start off, um, the first five times it's a, it mentions like God hardening or Pharaoh's heart being hardened multiple times, yes, like many different times. And the first five of those times is God hardening his heart, mm-hmm. like before anything else, it is God hardening his heart, which that's where like the discomfort comes, right? It's like, hey, is God the one actually doing this? Is God the one hardening this man's heart so that he can't turn and repent and then and then let the Israelites or Hebrews go then um, but we see that God deliberately it says that God deliberately hardens his heart five different times before the first occasion of Pharaoh hardening his own heart mm-hmm. which it says he does three times in Exodus 8 15 Exodus eight thirty two, and Exodus 9 34 so in those instances, it seems like, hey, Pharaoh's like, hey, I'm I'm hardening my own heart against God, but we're also using the context of of where we are in the in, in Scripture and where we are in Exodus of saying, well, God's hardened your heart five times before this. Yeah. So is that a cause, um, or
1: is that a byproduct of what God already did, or is that a a, a choice? Of yours, right? Have you dug a hole so deep that you can't get out of it now, or it's kind of God dug most of it for you kind Mm. of thing?
0: Yeah, it's this fascinating, fascinating thing. Um, But it brings up it brings up all this discomfort because we're saying, all right, so this is a man that God has put there to to rule. I mean we, we learn in the New Testament like we are we're supposed to honor and respect authorities because God is using them.
1: Romans thirteen people. Yeah.
0: Whether it's whether they're doing things the way we want or the way we don't want. Yep. It's this way of honoring and respecting them. So like Pharaoh has been placed here by God in this way to be used. Um, but yet we then see God being like, Yeah, you well you're not going to be used for my kingdom. You're right. going to be used for something different um, in a way. And there's a there's a bunch of different ways that people try um, try to explain this yeah and and some of them are hard yeah like some of them are hard being like hey god like God did do it like God yep. hardened his heart and did not allow him to turn and and there's there's and we're going to dive a little bit into some of those um and, and some of the reasons they give for that, but then there's also other people like the language that was used, the way the Hebrew yes. word was interpreted was like, it wasn't really God hardening his heart. It was like Pharaoh had hardened his heart and God was allowing it to be hardened mm-hmm. and, and things like that. There's like word play and, and things that happen. And that happens yep. all throughout scripture. Same thing in first uh, Samuel, when, um, when a harmful spirit, is given to Saul. Yeah. There's different ways of reading of saying, no, God gave it to him or that it was sent and, and God didn't stop it mm-hmm. in, in a sense. So that, like, those are a couple, those are a couple of the ex- explanations, but we do see one, one thing in Exodus as well as in Romans nine and Romans was written by the apostle Paul, um, who was dramatically converted on, on the road to Damascus in in acts, I think it's acts eight, mm-hmm. um, this is powerful, powerful story. But Paul in, in Romans is, is writing about this. And he's writing about this, this transition in Pharaoh's heart. And he's writing about what that is and, and how that happened. And what he says in Romans nine seventeen through 18, he says, For the scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So this almost brings up more discomfort in a sense. Because it's almost saying that, hey, God, I raised, like, God raised Pharaoh up yep. in order to rule, in order to display God's power so that God's glory would be proclaimed all on the earth. Like, I don't think we have a problem with God's glory be proclaimed all the earth. But how it's going about is this idea of, all right, I'm going to raise someone up who is not going to follow me. Yeah. And I will not let him follow me. Yeah. And then they're going to go and proclaim my name. Yep. Like they're not proclaiming, like by, by what they are doing, it is going to bring glory to my name. Like it is, it is this fascinating and really, really challenging text to deal with. It is very
1: hard for us to understand.
0: Absolutely. And, and like, it's one of those, one of these texts that like we could spend hours and hours and hours and hours of theology studying and, and all of these different avenues of, of, of theology that you can get into from this specific text. And this
1: is a very popular text uh, argument that people use for Calvinism and Arminianism because mm. yeah. uh, they like to use it on kind of their, their side of the argument of how God operates.
0: Yeah. I, on this, on this debate between predestination, free will, like, right. do you have choice or do you not have choice exactly. and, and things like that. And this is one of those instances where, where people use it. And depending on the way you interpret this text, it, it, it influences what, um, what, what you do with it. Um, but there's, there's a couple things that, that we, we should look at, um, just as a, as a way of, of navigating this. And, and there's a lot of different ways, like I said, that you can, you can interpret this passage. And, um, and one of those ways is to say, if you continue on in Romans nine in verse 18, it says, therefore, Right after he says, I raised you up for this very purpose that I might display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. It says, therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy and he hardens whom he wants to harden. And it's this text of saying, all right, there is some sense, whether you interpret it, whichever way you interpret it, there's some sense of God being omniscient in this. Mm -hmm. Like God being all powerful, all knowing that he is in control. And while, while looking at this text, it's sometimes hard to get comfort in that because you can say, all right, well, what is God doing in this? Like, how is he actually bringing good out of this? How is he bringing glory to his name? That is one thing that we do get because a really fascinating thing is that Pharaoh in this time by the Egyptians and by these people was viewed as a deity. Mm -hmm. he was viewed as someone who who had rule who was god who was god to them and and the other thing that that went with it was that his heart was the controlling factor yeah so if you're looking at it like that in that context you're able to see all right these people are seeing pharaoh as as a god or god and god comes and hardens his heart which is the controlling factor of why these people view him as god yeah And that sort of brings in like a a little bit of a nuance of saying, all right, this may be a, a, like a, a, how do we, how do we navigate the view that Pharaoh has in other people's eyes? Mm -hmm. Because there is the law that comes later on, um, that says you shall have no other gods before me. Like you have no other idols before me. Um, and, and things like that. But it's just fascinating thing that the, the deeper you dive into it, um, but there's a couple of truths that we know and we've talked about on this on this podcast before and and one of those is that all man is broken and sinful. Like Romans 3:23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Like all man is broken yeah. and sinful. And we know that the just penalty for sin is death. Like that is something that we we Ha- know throughout Scripture, mm-hmm. so if we're looking at like a punishment of death, like that's what we deserve, and now right. we live in the spot where Jesus took that punishment for us. Now we will still die, um, but we know that Jesus paid the penalty for our sin, so that we don't have to to go through that, so that we have this freedom of life in Jesus Christ, rather than the the spot that Pharaoh is living in here. But what we know is that the just penalty for our sin is death. And that is Romans 6, 23, which mentions that most clearly. So there is this aspect, and this is this would be more of a conservative view on, on this text. There's an aspect of saying, therefore, because Pharaoh is a sinful man and because the just penalty of that sin is death, then God's hardening and punishing of a person isn't unjust. It's actually merciful in comparison to what the person deserves. Mm-hmm. Now, granted... That's a very conservative way of looking at this text. That would be a very like God's in complete control. God, God absolutely did this. God punished this person for this. And that is there is truth to the fact that Pharaoh was a bad dude before before this hardening. Right, like Pharaoh was a bad dude before this hardening, enslaving like one point five million Hebrews, injuring all these people, hurting all these people, killing babies. Um, and it's he wasn't this like. Oh he was a really good dude like he was right he was des- deserving of s- yep. s- sinful punishment because he was a as sinner as as we all are um but like I said earlier Jesus has paid that penalty for us um but there is an aspect of if you can look at it you'll be like all right you can see the justness of God in it um even though it's really challenging to wrap our minds around yeah it but then there's also again that's the more conservative view there's the other view that's like all right god is just allowing his heart to harden. Mm-hmm. Like he's not being like hey your heart is hard he's allowing it to harden by his choices by what he is doing by the actions that he is taking by the resistance to what god has is doing i mean there's some of it where you're like all right there's 10 plagues here right like these are one after another like the river turning to blood all these gnats all these bugs all these frogs like that doesn't doesn't just happen, right? Like all of these things happening, um, and it took for his own kid to die. Yeah, and and I think it's really fascinating that his own kid dying is what sort of flipped the switch for him. And then God sends his own kid to be like, yeah, I'm paying for all of yeah. the sin. Yeah. I don't know. There's so many different parallels we talked about Abraham and Isaac. Like Isaac wasn't sacrificed. Now Jesus was sacrificed, so yeah. God spared Abraham's son, but didn't his own. Like there's so many fascinating. One story to gets
1: it. told over and over again so it gets drilled into our heads.
0: <laughs> it's almost like it's the most important story yes, in the entire exactly. world, but or in human history. But um it's it's this fascinating thing where you see like all right, there should be an understanding of after you see all of these plagues and miracles and miracles and miracles and demonstrations of God's power that you'd be like, "Hey, maybe God is real. So there is, there's is this, that that would be the, the more progressive side of understanding this text of being like, yeah. God is just allowing Pharaoh to continue to harden his heart. Mm-hmm. He's allowing him to continue to put separation in between him and God. He's allowing this. Um, but either way you interpret it, it doesn't necessarily make this text much easier to look at. Right. Like both ways are challenging to look at it. Um, But I think the important thing as we as we dive into these texts, as we as we look at them, whether you interpret them more conservatively, whether you interpret them more um, progressively, what Mm -hmm. what is important is that we don't shy away from them. Right. Because they are important to God's story. They are important to what God is doing. um, And God will meet us in these spaces. God will meet us in these spaces. And like we, I think we talked about on an earlier passage or or an earlier tough question. One is that, um, these, these are secondary issues. Meaning there, there is, there are things like the gospel, Jesus Christ coming and dying on the cross, Jesus Christ coming and saving us. That like, those things are core matters, right? They're core to what we believe. They're core to literally everything. Um, and then things like this, like, while super important, while super important to dive into, whether God hardened his heart or didn't harden his heart doesn't determine whether you're a believer or not. Yeah. doesn't determine, like, this is stuff that we can talk about, we can disagree on, yeah. we can challenge each other on, but yet doesn't change the gospel. Yep. Um, it doesn't change what Jesus Christ came and did. It doesn't change those things. So that as we navigate them, we're able to navigate with this freedom of being like, hey, even if we disagree, that's okay. Yeah. We're allowed to disagree on these things because it's not changing our relationship with God.
1: And this, uh, if I remember correctly, it was probably my introduction into kind of arguing theology with friends and teachers and things like that, where people would have kind of their different takes on it mm. and... Yeah. From what I remember is this is kind of where we would start and basically practice kind of, all right, you believe that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. So now kind of back it up. with Scripture and talk with your friends and things like that. And uh, so it is a really good passage to kind of learn how to do that. But like you say, at the end of the day, shake the other person's hand and realize that, you know, it is not super integral. To your salvation,
0: yeah. it's sort of what we're going through on Monday school a little bit, like apologetics, yeah. uh, arguing for the faith. It's not this arguing so I can win. It's like this: Hey, this is what I see in Scripture. Let's talk about it. Let's let's see what God is doing in it. Um, and I think those conversations, like I encourage you to have conversations with people about these things with an open and honest respect of the other person's opinion and loving them despite whatever they think. like No matter what, if they disagree, if they agree, whatever, it is a loving conversation of saying, let's walk closer to God in this, even if we're walking closer to God in this, while thinking two different things. Um, So I think that's really important to navigate as we go through all of these tough questions. And I think we're mentioning this today is largely because this is one of them that you're like, this is really hard to see like this is this is attacking the character of god right his love his character who he is um which i think is really important to dive into and also really important to navigate those conversations Mm -hmm. with with grace and love and respect
1: all right anson much appreciated all the research going into this this was a great topic uh, to be listening in on and uh hope you guys tune in on friday where we will be talking about caleb caleb all right see you anson see you chris Thank you for joining Crossway
0: on the With God Pod. Make sure to catch all our content on Sundays and during the week. See you next time.